War never changes. Remember, no Russian. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. Everyone I have cared for has either died or left me. Everyone fucking except for you. Hello. Welcome to episode 5 of Let's Talk Video Games with your host, Walter Nunez. Today we're going to talk about Games as a Service, a somewhat new revenue model in the gaming industry. So, there are currently a lot of games that use this model. Some of the most popular ones are League of Legends, Dota 2, Destiny, and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Games as a Service are ways to monetize a game throughout a prolonged period of time, sometimes being that period of time infinite. This means generating new content continuously, getting players hooked up to the game, so to speak. This may sound familiar to you, especially if you are into MMOs like World of Warcraft. However, the big leap in usage appeared with mobile games. Titles like Clash of Clans and Clash Royale helped games as a service become really popular. Having the same game all the time, but its content constantly changing, is a really appealing idea. And that is the reason why a lot of developers are starting to create games around that idea with a lot of success. Take World of Warcraft, for instance. They use a subscription-based revenue model. They charge a monthly fee that helps developers pay for the cost of operations and the cost of creating new content, which includes new items or maybe some whole new expansions. This type of service is mostly seen in MMOs. Now, microtransactions, for instance, are another way of creating games as a service. And this is a whole topic that could take hours alone, but I think most of you are familiar with them. Microtransactions are payments you do in order to get new content. And these payments are usually not as big as the cost of the original game, though there are quite a few examples of the country. And the thing with microtransactions is that, because they are not as seen as one big expense, people are willing to pay more than once. Also, the more content there is, the more people will pay. And the amount of money one person can pay in small $5 increments can surpass the tens of thousands. There is something in seeing small prices that makes us believe that buying a lot is cheaper than buying one thing that's more expensive, if that makes sense at all. And it's this microtransaction uh, model that created a new sub-service, so to speak. Loot boxes. And loot boxes are luck-based packages that provide players with items for a game. This means that there is no way to be certain what you will get in that loot box. And usually, stuff that will power up your experience in the game are in those loot boxes. So you are bound to buy more and more of these boxes in order to get better at the game. This is pretty much what people would call a paywall. Now, there is another common thing implemented in games as a service, season passes. The original idea is the addition of new content in a period of time, usually a year. Players of the base game do not need to buy the season pass, but they can't access the content in it. And while they can still play the base game, in multiplayer titles, things get a little bit more complicated. 
Take uh, Monster Hunter World, for instance. They released the Iceborne expansion last year, and while players didn't have to buy it, a lot of them did, and most of them moved out to the Iceborne missions. This means that the overall number of players in the base game are less, which translates into higher queuing times, less people available for helping, and making the experience more boring than what it was before Iceborne. These things alone may push a player to buy the expansion just to try and get what they originally had. So these expansions, its season passes, are affecting the base game even though it is not a thing you need to do in order to play the game. But there are also another type of season passes and these are rather new and they're called the battle passes and they are closely related to the Battle Royale genre, and you may have heard of them. Fortnite, I think, was the first one to introduce this. The Battle Pass works like this. So you have a hundred levels on it, right? Each level, you unlock new content for the game, which includes uh, skins, weapon skins, banners, music, etc. Depending on how good you do on each match, you get some, let's say, experience points that will help you raise your level. Here's the thing though, if you do not buy the battle pass, you can still earn a bit of the stuff they uh, gift you. There is a free pass, so to speak, and a real-life money paid pass. The difference is not only of the amount of content you can earn, but how much experience you generate each match. If you buy the battle pass with the real-life money, you get uh, let's say an experience boost, so you can get more stuff quicker. This means less games for more content. It's a win-win. So the only thing you gotta do is buy the battle pass. And this is where uh, companies like Epic Games that they develop Fortnite get tons and tons of money from a free game. Now, there are other newer ways of creating games as a service. The first one I want to talk about is game subscription services. This may sound the same as a subscription uh, you pay for MMOs that we discussed uh, before, but it's quite different. EA Access and Xbox Game Pass are game subscription services. They offer a variety of titles available at all times, as long as you pay the monthly fee subscription. EA Access is not terrible, but Game Pass is way superior. It is an interesting turn on the gaming industry, that may work in favor of both companies and users. And there are other services too, but I believe they are way too underdeveloped. Things like cloud gaming with Google Stadia, Nvidia's GeForce Now and PlayStation Now are not fully formed and I do not think they are really worth mentioning here. We may discuss it later in another episode where we talk about the future of gaming, but today, today they are not relevant. So. With all of these different ways of creating games as a service, it is not surprising to notice that most of the games we play enter in this category one way or another. Most of the multiplayer games, at least the most popular ones, use one or several of these tactics to keep their player base strong and ever-growing. And if we are talking consoles and Xbox specifically, we need to acknowledge Halo's rumor. A rumor that is actually the same one revolving around the FIFA community. Before actually talking about it, I really want to be clear about the fact that this is a rumor, so nothing is set in stone, but I do believe it is a move that 
kind of makes sense. Both FIFA and Halo Infinite are rumored to become games as a service completely. This means that even though they already had microtransactions, they will stay on the market for a much, much longer time. For FIFA, they are not planning more yearly releases. Instead, they are going to update the game with the newest player formations and squads. For Halo, they will generate more content for the existing game, moving to something like Destiny. Which is quite funny if you ask me, because Destiny is developed by the original creators of Halo. Now, is this a step in the right direction? I am not so sure. It could be, but I am not certain of it. For FIFA, I think uh, 100% that it is a great decision. Having a yearly release of pretty much the same game with updated squads is a terrible idea. And it's an idea that is getting quickly outdated. Electronic Arts knows this, and they know that it could result in losses. So moving to one big FIFA service will work wonders. They will be able to cheaply update squads, but also get more money from stuff like Ultimate Team, a really popular feature that gets the most money to EA. A lot of gamers do not like to enter Ultimate Team because they know next year they will have to do the same thing all over again. However, if you can play the same Ultimate Team session, so to speak, for 5 or 6 years, more people will probably enter and give you money, so it's a win-win. However, in the case of Halo Infinite, I am not so sure. And first of all, God, God, I, I really need to talk about the demo. I'm sorry. I am so sorry, but I need to talk about that. If we are talking mechanic-wise, the demo looked great. The grappling hook is a step in the right direction, of course. But my favorite part was the jumping kamikaze grunt. They will probably cause a lot of headaches in legendary difficulty. However, I gotta say I was disappointed in general. And yes, it has to do with the graphics. I've heard a lot of excuses, all types of them. First of all, I agree that graphics are not important, but that doesn't mean that the way the game looks is not important either. This may seem confusing, but just think about Overwatch. Overwatch's graphics are cartoony, but the general aesthetic of the game looks polished and perfect. I am sad to say that this is not the case with Halo. On one hand, we got impressive textures, like the leather on the glove of Master Chief. And on the other hand, we get metal of the firearm he's using, which looks like cheap plastic. It just doesn't add up. It's, it doesn't look like the same game. It doesn't feel finished. And we gotta be real here. For a Halo game, those graphics sucked. Like, terribly. The last couple of minutes felt like more like a next box 360 game than a third generation one this makes me feel nervous well i agree with the fact that there is still time and that the assets may be old compared to what they have today i'm worried that a company decided to show a demo that looks aesthetically bad you can just see it it is a disaster and they know it at least i hope they did because otherwise they are just blind which is worse somehow 343 industries needs to deliver a game for one of the most important franchises in gaming history, but they look like they are just rushing it just for the next-gen launch, and we know that rushing stuff is always a bad idea. I just hope this doesn't happen, but 343 Industries might release an unfinished Halo to follow the console release schedule, 
and then they could just kind of update uh, the game when they get the original planned content finished. It is a cheap trick, but one that might just save their asses. Let's just hope it doesn't come to that. And that is one of the big issues of games as a service. Some development companies have taken advantage of the model in terrible ways. And a lot of them have seen some backlash from gamers. However, the model itself is not the solution for all developers. There is one big flaw in this model. Time. Let's picture this real quick. All of a sudden, all games released this year are games as a service. Every single one of them. And let's say we got a really mediocre year, so we got 100 games released worldwide. It is physically impossible to play all of these games. We know that. But now all of these games are hoping to survive for years by generating content all the time. They are trying to become something that lasts at least four or five years. And if by some miracle all 100 games survive this year, next year come another 100 games following the same model. Since the amount of gamers and the amount of time they have to play stuff is limited and doesn't grow exponentially each year, a lot of games are bound to fail. If all development companies rely on games as a service as a way to have a successful game, some of them will see terrible results that may even lead to them closing their doors forever. The gaming industry needs to realize sooner than later that not all games have to work as a service in order to be successful. And that is it for today! Thank you for tuning in this week, really appreciate it. Following this thread, we will discuss microtransactions more in depth next Monday. Be sure to follow us on social media, it's Let's Talk VG on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until then, stay safe. Cheers.